1: I'm in Chinatown under those iconic red lanterns, you know, on the street with all those little restaurants and lots of shops selling souvenirs and tea and things like that. I'm with Mabel Tang. She's a longtime activist and neighborhood organizer, among other things.
2: We are standing right at the corner of Clay and Grand Avenue. This is the heart of Chinatown. As you could see, you know, we just have a lot of different shops. and. In a lot of our opinion, you know, this retail model is just really not working. But
1: at this intersection, something new is taking shape. The edge on the square. This place is a bit political. It's a way to educate in the face of violence and anti-Asian hate. It's an arts and culture institution in the making, but it's also a rejection of harmful stereotypes. The group behind this initiative came out of a time of stark disagreement. Polarization, actually. We were born out of Trumpism. And today they want to breathe some economic life into the street, while also starting conversations about thorny social topics. They'll use art and culture to challenge harmful ideas like the model minority myth that marginalize people and pit
2: them against each other to compete for scraps. We don't want to be segregated. We don't want to be pitted against each other. For people of color, White people is not our enemy. It's institutionalized white supremacy. So we got to all work together. Every color in the rainbow, we got to work together for the new narrative. I'm Laura Wenis. This week,
1: we'll talk about how Chinatown organizers are building a cultural center as the city tries to find a way out of the pandemic. There's a lot to struggle through, Ongoing violent attacks on Asian Americans, a sluggish economic recovery, dull, empty streets. This group is hoping to chart a path forward through these problems with creativity and culture sharing. From the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, this is Fixing Our City. On Grant Avenue in Chinatown, you see a lot of shops that cater to tourists, and you see a lot of closed storefronts. Mabel Tang, a longtime neighborhood activist, says visitors are missing out on the rich history and culture of this place.
2: People walk by, they really have not learned much about the community. They have not learned much about how this community have contributed to the civil rights. They haven't learned that, you know, Bruce Lee actually was born two blocks from here at the Chinese hospital. They don't know that Wong Kim Ark was born right here, one block from here. And he was the one who established citizens' right, birthright, the 14th Amendment. I mean, there are just rich history and culture that we would love to share and celebrate with everyone.
1: How to do that? We're standing in front of one possible answer, with art. Tang and a group of other neighborhood leaders have been working for years to put on boundary-pushing cultural events here. They're launching an artistic hub inside this building on the corner called Edge on the Square.
2: This is a 14,000 square foot building. By the time we finish the final renovation, it'll be like 23,000 square feet. And it will be an edgy community space an Art Hub that will communicate a new narrative. Edge on the Square
1: gets its name from Portsmouth
2: Square, just a quick walk down the hill. Portsmouth Square is like Chinatown's living room for so many families who live in a one-room space. So Portsmouth Square is our is our playground, it's our living room, it's our space. So we are literally physically on the edge of the square.
1: Inside, everything's still pretty stark, empty, and fresh. The floors were just finished, and a big tarp divides one side of the space from the other where there's still construction supplies. But that doesn't stop people from wandering in and saying hello. People know
2: each other, and they come to check it out. Oh, Jenny! Hi! We are just excited. We just bought this building on January 3rd this year. Oh my goodness! This is an old building, you know, that was built in the 1900s. And in the old days, it housed one of the community's grocery store.
1: Mabel Tang is one of the founders of the Chinatown Media and Arts Collaborative, the parent of Edge on the Square. She has a long history of activism, organizing, and political leadership here in the city and in Chinatown specifically. She was born in Hong Kong and grew up in Michigan and Massachusetts. After college and starting her career, she came here. She taught at City College and became an activist. Then she ran for office. She was on the city college board and became the city's first Asian-American woman to be elected to the board of supervisors.
2: I served as the assessor recorder until 2004, and I had the privilege of officiating the first gay marriage in the city and organized the gay marriage program. Then I decided to come back to the community, and I, I just love what I do. The
1: Arts Collaborative has bought this building and is renovating it. And yes, Tang is excited for a grand opening down the line. But they're not going to wait for the finishing touches to start making art. Already, the space serves as a home base for events that'll break the traditional mold.
2: But our programming is going to be on the streets. We are flipping everything inside out because the entire community, the entire Chinatown, is going to become a welcoming space for everyone who love innovative art, innovative media. We are going to be a fun and edgy platform on things that are uplifting and has universal, relatable meaning. Tell me about the edgy part. What's edgy about it? (laughs) What makes us edgy is because we are spunky. We do not conform to the dominant narrative. We are edgy because when you come in, you're not going to see art that is big mountain, little people, that traditional art, even though that's just beautiful. We are about communicating a message that spark discourse, that sparks a conversation. Out of those conversations, Tang says, should come a
1: change in narrative. That's a term she uses a lot. The current narrative is based on an image of American society that relies on harmful myths, like that Asian Americans are a monolithic model minority, the racial group that does things right somehow.
2: Edge on the Square, it's really about narrative change. Starting place-based, which is right here in Chinatown. But the narrative change is national, And global. We want to contribute to a new narrative. A new narrative for immigrants. We believe everyone except the Native Americans are all from immigrant family. How
1: do you change narratives with art?
2: Tang says the events organized here are already doing it. So our curator Candace Hui had conceptualized the first Chinatown contemporary art festival. As part of that day-long festival, there are a couple of performers that really like etching my heart. One of the performer was a dancer. Uh, she happens to be of Korean ethnicity, but she was dancing to transform from a traditional old Korean, To a contemporary liberated woman of any nationality. And she did all that in her very transformative dance, you know, at the heart of Ross Alley in Chinatown. And that was just totally moving. And that's part of how we want to spark conversation. You know, what is the role of the new generation? What is the role of young women in transforming? narrative in projecting a new narrative and what is the role of art in communicating narrative because we believe art, it's really a vehicle for change. So we want to communicate a reimagination of America. We want to present a narrative that is inclusive that presents a just future. And we want to be a welcoming and safe place that people don't have to fear about their heart.
1: But it seems we're a long way from that. Even in San Francisco, where Asian Americans make up more than a third of the population and where there are many different Asian communities. Chinese and Taiwanese people make up the majority of the city's Asian and Pacific Islander-identifying residents at about 60%. Filipino people make up the second biggest portion of the group. This city once had the largest Japanese community outside of Japan, but after the forced removal and incarceration of Japanese Americans during World War II and some other changes in the city, Japantown is now majority non-Asian. Today, Chinatown is still a landing place for recent Chinese immigrants. It's a residential neighborhood with plenty of seniors living there, and it has a median income of about $25,000 a year. San Francisco has seen a lot of violent attacks on Asian elders in particular. I asked Tang what conversations can be had about the fear that people feel in an inclusive way?
2: Yeah, I think transforming minds is one of the most difficult thing on earth. Yeah. People are bombarded by fear every day. And, you know, the rich gets richer, the poor gets poorer. We see that. We see that in San Francisco. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, San Francisco house some of the richest people in the world. And then it also house a family who live in a room that is 8 by 12. That's the polarity we're seeing. So, yes, you're right. You know, those conversations are hard to have. Attacks targeting Asian
1: Americans aren't new in the States. And Tang is no stranger to the kind of social and political environment that encourages them.
2: I tell you a story. In 1984, I was part of a movement called the Justice for Vincent Chin movement.
1: Vincent Chin was a Chinese American draftsman working in Detroit. Two white men followed him after his bachelor
2: party and killed him. They chased him out from the bar, calling him effing. Jap taking away Americans' job and the two guys you know one held Vincent down and the other one just bashed his head with a baseball bat into coma and Vincent died on the day he was supposed to on his wedding day so the death of Vincent Chin at that time you know woke up so many Asians who thought African-Americans were, you know, killed and, you know, in racial violence. But they didn't imagine a successful Asian engineer could be killed. And to add insult to injury, even though the two killers pleaded guilty, the judge sentenced them to $3,000 fine and three years of probation. And the judge said, you don't send these kind of men to jail. Today, we're seeing the same kind of violence, you know, violence towards African-Americans. You know, George Floyd is one of the examples, right? There is tension, some tension between the Asian community and African-American communities. And unfortunately, I personally feel some media played it up. Even though the majority, over 70% of those who committed anti-Asian crime are white men. But all you hear in the media is African-American men assaulting you know, Chinese elderly. That's the relevance today. We must force and inspire those difficult conversations. And... It may be unpopular, but some of us have stood up and will continue to stand up and tell the truth. That's the new narrative. But then we don't want to lecture people, right? People are already stressed. We're going to do it in an innovative and fun and safe way. So, tall order. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But those are important stories that we can reimagine together, you know, how to make that change. You know, Chinese has gone through, you know, the Chinese Exclusion Act, right? It was brutal. Chinatown was burnt, people were killed. And yet, we survive, right?
1: Chinatown, like other neighborhoods in the city, is also fighting for survival through the economic fallout of the pandemic. Edge on the Square is one way Tang and her collaborators are hoping to help with that. How they intend to do that? After a break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
1: I've been talking with Mabel Tang, one of the neighborhood leaders in Chinatown who's transforming a building on Grant Street into an arts and culture center. The Chinatown Media and Arts Collaborative knows that COVID made it difficult for businesses, especially the ones that thrive on tourism to survive. Grant Avenue, where edge on the square is, has struggled more compared to the street one block over Stockton. Grant has a lot of retail and small restaurants, mainly aimed at visitors. Stockton is full of groceries and other shops serving people who live there.
2: So right now you come to Chinatown, right? You walk on Grant Avenue, you see all these, you know, camera shops, you see, you know, like objects, earrings, and not that they are not important, because they are the economic lifeline of the community. But personally, I mean, I feel that kind of retail model is not working for Chinatown. It just may not even work in other neighborhoods. We want people to come to gain experience. And through the experience, they're gonna take it back with them. And that is the new model. We want to create, you know, for Chinatown. When we open, we just really want to be the attraction for people who want to come to San Francisco, you know, see something new. So we want to be part of the economic engine for San Francisco. But more importantly, we also want to be an economic engine for Chinatown.
1: Can you say more about that and how, how you're going to achieve that
2: with art? Well, because we believe in success, we believe that the new way of communicating art is going to attract people. I mean, they want to be part of it, right? I mean, the, the highest and the most exciting form of art is when you are part of the art. We want to become the ambassador for the community, that people come here to pick up something that they will always remember. The arts collaborative is
1: experimenting
2: with ways to share the success they have
1: with neighbors. For example, an event earlier this year with several outdoor shows hired residents of low cost single room occupancy hotels in the area as staff. In a way, this collaboration is new, but from a different perspective, it has a long history in the neighborhood.
2: Etch on the Square is the coming together of six organizations that have worked parallelly <laughs> We work together in the community for a long time, and each of the founding organization, in themselves has 45 to 55 years of contribution and success. The groups are Chinese for Affirmative Action, the Center for
1: Asian American Media, the Chinese Culture Center and Foundation of San Francisco, the Chinatown Community Development Center, Angel Island Immigration Foundation, and the Chinese Historical Society of America. So not all explicitly arts and culture groups and quite a bit of historical
2: expertise. I think the leadership of those organizations realizes two things. One is, on our own, we will continue to you know, focus on our little our silo area, but we won't be creating that, you know, the sum is bigger than our parts we won't be creating that kind of like sea change. I think the second thing we were thinking at that time is that the Asian American community really have not received equitable resources from the city or from private foundation or from individual donors because people might not see that we actually have the big picture in mind, that we not only about you know serving the single room families, and we're not just about you know a particular piece of history, but we can reimagine the world that we can contribute to America's future. We're not just thinking about Chinatown narrowly. We are thinking about this as a lab that can contribute to the city, to the state and to the country so with those goals in mind we created this new organization can you tell me more about what you mean
1: when you say that chinatown has not received equitable resources this is not the first time i've heard this
2: but tell me more about that and why do you think that is i think there are two very very important circumstance one is the model minority myth is what that hurt us People think that, you know, Asian Americans made it, right? You know, they're going to, you know, Ivy League. They test well. But they don't know that our community is one of the poorest neighborhood in the city. So we don't get that kind of attention. I think the second area is the fact that we have not been as outspoken as we can. You know, individual leaders have. I think Rose Pack was one of those, you know, outspoken voice.
1: When Tang was on the board of supervisors, she called for an audit of what portion of city contracts had gone to Asian-American organizations. Supervisor Eric Marr, when he was on the board, did the same thing. Tang says they showed just three to five percent of city contract funding went to Asian-American groups in a city where more than a third of the population identifies as Asian
2: we are far from being treated equitably. So some of us, you know, I think myself included, I got nothing to fear. You know, we're gonna speak our mind. The city, the state, and philanthropy hasn't treated us fairly. Not just that, corporations have not invested in the community, so we feel by you know doing what we did, take away all the reason not to, and give everybody the reason to, because we are going to be a strong voice for immigrants, not just Asian American immigrants, but for all immigrants. There are, of course, many
1: different groups beyond the six that founded this collaborative active in Chinatown and in the city's various Asian American communities. Given that, And given that Tang describes what they're doing as edgy, I wanted to know if there have been any less positive reactions. Have there been any people who come and say like, "Mm, don't do this here, this is not the right way to do this, or what are you doing?
2: Yes, I think there's a one-two punch answer to it. Um, When you do something new, you always face naysayers who said this is not gonna work. And we had naysayers, but we, continue to welcome them, and I think now that they taste some success, they like it, they like what they saw. Being a person of color and being an immigrant of Chinese heritage, I have always faced pushback because the dominant narrative is so strong. When funding comes to Chinatown, they just want to give one group, and they make you fight even for the crumbs. What we're saying is, we're not going to fight for the crumb. We are going to rise up, and we're going to fight for what should belong to the people. Tang's
1: vision for an inclusive place to think and talk about the new narrative is captured by the slogan printed in the windows of Edge on the Square, one that invites locals and visitors,
2: those who agree and disagree, Inside. I want people to come in and say hello, and I want to invite them personally to come dream with us. To see
1: for yourself what's going on inside, you can find the Chinatown Media and Arts Collaborative at cmacsf.com and on Instagram at cmacsanfrancisco. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicles SF Next project, where we explore how the city will chart its future and address its biggest challenges. And we want to check out your ideas. Do you have a solution you want the city to pursue? Know someone who's making a difference on an important issue. Send an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com. You can also DM us on Twitter. We're at sfnext. I'm Laura Wenis. Next time on Fixing Our City, the San Francisco Police Department has the budget to add about 200 officers, but departments nationwide are struggling to hire what law enforcement recruiting should look like and what new approaches specialists are trying next week. Cynthia Lopez produces and reports for Fixing Our City. Gary Baca is our sound engineer. King Kaufman is the executive producer. Jonathan Krim is the SF Next project editor. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, exploring how the city will shape its future and tackle its biggest problems. Read stories by our reporters, check out interactive data breakdowns, and find our podcast archive at sfchronicle.com sfnext. If you have a solution you'd like us to cover or you know about a city that's doing something right, get in touch. Shoot an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com or find us on Twitter at sfnext.